and thank you for listening to Texas History for Kids. I'm your host, Michelle Gallegos, an educator, writer, history nerd, and novice investigator. Each week on the show, we will learn about interesting parts of Texas history, from battles and historical figures to the odd and enchanted. Hey guys, welcome back to episode number 14. Thank you for sticking around and listening to Texas History for Kids. Today's episode is entitled, Spindle Top Gushes Black Gold. Educators, parents, and tutors, if you're searching for a new way to improve your students' listening or reading comprehension skills, well, listen up. My podcast includes links to resources such as reading passages that pair with the episode of the day, as well as a writing activity that goes along with it. Since each episode is only around 15 minutes or less, they're the perfect activity for small group intervention or flex groups, homework practice, reading centers, or literacy stations. Visit my website, michellegauthor.com. Remember, the first four podcasts have absolutely free reading passages and activities, so go ahead and take a look at those if you haven't already. Have you ever heard of black gold? Some of the early Texas explorers from the 1700s were sure they'd find gold. Some even looking for the so-called seven cities of gold. And while digging around for it, they found something else. But they chose to ignore what they found. Because to them, it wasn't precious or worth anything. Many early conquistadors thought Texas land was going to be useless after that. Then came the 1800s. A man named Patillo Higgins had big dreams of something deep inside the earth that he thought was sure to make him rich. And boy, was he right. So what is black gold? Well, black gold is oil that comes from the ground. Why do we need oil and who cares about it? Well, oil has been around for a very long time. American Indians thought it was a magical medicine coming from the ground. Some rubbed it on their cuts and wounds. Others even drank it, hoping it would cure their stomach problems. The Karankawa tribe made pottery and baskets, lined it with tar or oil that had washed up on the shorelines of the Gulf Coast so that it would make it waterproof. Even as early as 1543, explorers used the sticky tar to make their boots waterproof. The early people used it in small ways, but they had no clue how valuable oil really was. During this time, early explorers were more interested in gold. The need for oil didn't come until the industrial age and around the time the railroad system was created. Petroleum, or oil, had only been used to burn things that were used as light sources such as lamps. Remember, electricity wasn't everywhere during this time. Fuel was used to create fires that would allow people to light the way when it was dark, similar to candles or flashlights that we use today. Prior to oil, people used coal. Coal, oil, and gas, all called fossil fuels together, are made up of dead plants and animals that have been in the ground for hundreds of millions of years. Instead of fully decaying or rotting away, plants, trees, and animal remains were buried deep into the ground surface, hundreds of feet below. Over the years, the decayed plants and animals become compressed or squeezed very tightly, and some morphed into rock called coal. 
the coal then becomes ignitable or able to be caught on fire. Sometimes their decayed remains became a gas or produced a liquid, such as oil. During the end of the 19th century, British colonies in North America were producing lots of cotton, using machines to spin the cotton thread on spindles and to weave it into cloth on looms. They used steam engines, which were much faster than other countries, such as India, that could produce much more product. America was entering the Industrial Age, where machines were built, replacing the hard back-breaking work that humans had been doing for so long by hand for centuries. However, it wasn't until the mid-20th century that oil caught up and surpassed coal in its use. Oil and gas were being used to power machines in the agriculture and farming industries, factories, trains, locomotives, and basically any vehicle that wouldn't require a horse and buggy anymore. So horse and buggies were out by this time. Many machines were used in the military to fight the war. Today, people around the world enjoy the benefits of industrialization and the use of fossil fuels. All the cars, trucks, 18-wheelers, construction equipment, and anything that uses gas or oil are products of fossil fuels. With so much more energy replacing humans than ever before, many of us were allowed to do much less hard physical labor than earlier generations. Other uses for petroleum or oil products include ink, tires, plastic, rubber, pantyhose, and it's even been used in shampoo. So back to Mr. Patillo Higgins, who is a pioneer in the oil industry. Let's talk about him for a moment. Patillo Higgins was born in 1863 in Sabine, Texas. Around six years old, his family moved to Beaumont, where he went to school until about fourth grade and ended up quitting to work with his father, who was a gunsmith. A gunsmith is someone who builds guns. Patillo Higgins was a troublemaker as a young man and even got into an altercation where he shot a sheriff and almost lost his arm. Later in his life, around 1885, Patillo changed his ways and became very religious. He was baptized in the church. He even became a Sunday school teacher. During this time, he was working as a lumberjack and had saved up enough money to begin his next job, real estate broker. This job proved profitable while he lived in Beaumont. He started his own brick business called Higgins Manufacturing Company. It is through this business that piqued his interest in how manufacturing companies used oil and gas to power their equipment and the factories they ran. He took a trip to visit other manufacturing sites to see their efficiencies and thought if he could tap into the oil industry, he'd be able to sell it to these manufacturing companies. So naturally, his first step was to find oil. Easier said than done, though. Higgins found his way to the Spindletop Hill, which was just south of Beaumont. The land consisted of a salt formation dome, which pushed the earth above it higher and higher and grew taller and taller. Higgins was sure he'd find oil and gas underneath, although he knew he couldn't do it alone, though. So he asked some investors, who are people who give money in hopes that they will make more money on whatever it is that they're investing in. Sometimes investing your money can be risky, and you can lose it all, my friends. But there are other times when investing your money can be risky, 
and you win a whole lot more than what you expected. So what do you think happened in this case? Well, the two people he chose to invest with were called the two Georges, George W. Carroll and George Washington O'Brien. I guess George was somewhat of a popular name in those days, and it probably still is today. From now forward, I will just go ahead and refer to their last names so we don't get confused. So O'Brien was all in because it is said that he actually saw oil oozing from the ground during his previous visits to the Spindletop area. In 1892, the men founded the Gladys City Oil, Gas, and Manufacturing Company. Higgins was determined to find oil and gas in the area around Spindletop and had intentions to build a town around it. The company drilled until 1896, so that's four years that they had been drilling, when investors decided to pull out of the company because no oil had been found yet. Do you think that he gave up? Well, if you guessed no, you are completely right. He did not give up. Despite all the backlash he was receiving from those who didn't believe him, Patillo remained determined in his efforts to find oil. The only problem was he was running out of money and was forced to place ads in the local newspapers throughout the nation to find geologists who could help him drill for gas and oil. Enter Mr. Anthony F. Lucas, who was an engineer with friends who knew all about oil and gas. He also happened to believe Patillo and was an expert at salt dome formations. So talk about luck. Patillo Higgins found somebody who was going to be worthwhile to him. Now, Lucas was certain that Spindletop Hill did have oil and gas beneath its surface. And in 1900, eight years after first deciding to go into business with Mr. Higgins, Lucas convinced two oilmen, John Gailey and James Guffey, to finance the operation and give money to continue drilling into the salt dome. He received approval from Gladys City, which allowed him to drill on the salt dome. Sadly, Lucas betrayed Higgins when he excluded him from the business part of the operation. Don't worry, Higgins later sued and was awarded $3 million. Over the years, Patillo Higgins started the Higgins Standard Oil Company, which began explorations of the Texas Gulf Coast salt dome fields and became very profitable in that business. We are going to move on to key point number two. So what happened at Spindletop? Well, in the early days, people in Texas found oil by digging, usually by accident, where they had seen black gold oozing out of the ground, and most only thought it was on the surface and not much deeper into the ground. Sometimes while digging for underground water wells, people would find small amounts of oil in the water. But in general, they weren't very large deposits of oil. However, it was because of these smaller finds that geologists or scientists who study the earth realized that oil could be found much deeper rather than looking on the surface of the ground. Knowing this, rumors began swirling that Texas had oil. And that's how oil got the nickname Black Gold. Because oil is black and it is just as profitable and precious as gold. People knew it was going to make them lots of money, like gold would. 
Machines and industries needed oil and petroleum to power the world. And on January 10th, 1901, while drilling at Spindletop Hill, a huge gusher of oil spewed out of the ground and it didn't stop quickly. It burst 150 feet into the air. The workers were completely covered in black oil and muddy sludge. They weren't mad though. They knew that at that moment, they were making Texas history and probably that they were going to be making lots of money too. It took them nine days to control the oil spewing out of the ground. Of course, news was traveling quickly and soon railroad and other industries wanted to come to Texas. With all of these new businesses, people were bringing families and decided to settle into Texas because there was so much work here. Thousands of people knew they could get rich by moving to Beaumont. So what kinds of jobs did the oil industry bring? Geologists were in high demand because they knew where to find the oil. Some people worked drilling for oil. Some people laid the pipelines that would carry the oil to areas that it needed to be. Others worked in oil refineries where they would clean and process the oil to be used in things like cars, trains, and machines. By 1928, Texas was producing more oil than any other state in the United States. And there you have it, folks. Texas is one of the highest producing oil states in the entire nation. And it all started in Beaumont, Texas, on a salt dome called Spindletop Hill. If it weren't for Mr. Higgins and his relentless pursuit, oil may not have been found in Texas for another few years. He was the pioneer of drilling for oil in Texas. Oil brought industry, and industry brought people who wanted to get rich. Today we've talked about the oil boom in Texas. We can see that it changed our state and America for the better. Without it, we might still be left in the dark ages without modern things we take advantage of today, such as not having to walk around everywhere because now we have vehicles or being able to flip a switch for lights instead of carrying a candle. So this week's question is, imagine you are living in the era just before oil was discovered in Texas. Then, imagine you are at the location of Spindletop in 1901 when the oil burst into the air. What thoughts might you have? Use all of your senses. What might have you seen, felt, tasted, smelled, or heard? I'm interested to see what your comments are on this one. Send me an email with your answer, and of course, as always, I might feature it in a future episode. MichelleGallegos.author at gmail.com If you or your child has received valuable information, please share the show with others who might find it interesting. And remember, yesterday is today's history. Thank you for listening. 